Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. Today's episode begins with an opening story from Eleanor Turner via our most recent installment of Soul Stories, a segment featuring slow and soul stories that inspire members of our community. If you haven't listened to these episodes, be sure to add them to your queue. But in the meantime, here's more from Eleanor. Hi, I'm Eleanor Turner, the co-founder of Argent and the founder and CEO of The Big Favorite a brand once led by my great-grandfather, revived as a zero-waste and circular undergarments company. I was recently stopped from scrolling uh, by a Medium article that was written by Julio Vincent Gambuto, and I want to read a little bit of that for you now. What the trauma has shown us cannot be unseen. A carless Los Angeles has has clear blue skies as pollution has simply stopped. In a quiet New York, you can hear the birds chirp in the middle of Madison Avenue. Coyotes have been spotted on the Golden Gate Bridge. These are the postcard images of what the world might be like if we could find a way to have a less deadly daily effect on the planet. From one citizen to another, I beg of you, take a deep breath, ignore the deafening noise, and think deeply about what you want to put back into your life. This is our chance to define a new version of normal, a rare and truly sacred, yes, sacred opportunity to get rid of the bullshit and to only bring back what works for us, what makes our lives richer, what makes our kids happier, what makes us truly proud. We get to Marie Kondo the muck out of it all. We care deeply about one another, that's clear. That can be seen in every supportive Facebook post, in every meal dropped off for a neighbor, in every Zoom birthday party. We are a good people, and as a good people, we want to define, on our own terms, what this country looks like in 5, 10, 50 years. This is our chance to do that, the biggest one we've ever gotten, and the best one we'll ever get. Thanks. Thank you so much again to Eleanor for sharing. Again, the article she read from was Prepare for the Ultimate Gaslighting by Julio Vincent Gambuto. Now here's my interview with Julia Hunter of Jenny Kane. With an inherent talent and love for all things business, Julia Hunter's tenure as the CEO of Jenny Kane has poised the brand to become a leading fashion lifestyle destination. In this role, Julia has been able to channel her past experiences at other global companies to guide Jenny Kane on its journey in an ever-evolving industry like fashion. And while the industry itself is on the precipice of necessary change, Jenny Kane continues to champion its quality over quantity mentality. Storytelling has also endured as a critical vehicle for inspiring connection around these topics. In fact, some of these stories have even inspired Julia to rethink her perspective when it comes to approaching both business and life. And like many other leaders, 
Julia was recently forced to fully lean into Jenny Kane's penchant for conscious living as the world came to a standstill due to COVID-19. In this interview, she spoke more about the important role slow content has played in facilitating mindful conversations during this challenging time, and why valuing kindness above performance has been one of her most transformative career takeaways. I won't give too much more away, so without further delay, enjoy my conversation with Julia Hunter of Jenny Kane. The CEO of Jenny Kane, um, but outside of my profession, uh, I'm a new mom, so I have a toddler who is almost two, a little boy. Um, I'm pregnant with our second and hopefully final baby, um, a girl who's due in August, so I'm about halfway done with my pregnancy. Um, so a mom, uh, but really a very passionate career person. Um, the, the, the balancing those two priorities is um important and difficult. Um, uh, as far as what do I enjoy and value in life, um, I think I've uh, always just really enjoyed laughing and sarcasm and um, I don't know, things that are <laughs> that are very uh, kind of simple. I like um, eating and spending time with friends and family and just doing things that are really um, relaxing. I think I spend a lot of time in my head when I'm at work and also when I'm not at work thinking about work. So the way that I try and enjoy life is, um, is by doing things that really just kind of tone that back, um, being in nature, going on hikes and walks and exercise, anything that just kind of helps me um, reconnect with things besides all this time that I spend in my head. Um, it just always makes me feel better. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think that's a really great setup to talk about slowing down in all contexts. But before we get into what you do with Jenny Kane, just to sort of build on a few of those things that you just mentioned, is there a particular story that you came across recently, whether it was an article or interview or or just a piece of content that really made you want to slow down and be in nature and embrace the simpler things? Um, you know, there's been, it's, it's, it's a really good question. There's actually been several articles recently, I'm sure you know, that have come out about um, women executives. Um, some people who are my peers, their businesses are certain, certainly a bit um, higher profile and, and bigger scale than Jenny Kane, but similar roles. Um, it, there's been a lot of um, kind of negative talk about uh, culture at those types of companies and, um and I've found the articles to be really frustrating uh, personally. Um, I think it's a really different standard than what's applied to men. Um, and so it's actually had the effect of, of kind of making me question um, what's worth it. And, and, and I don't know, I think, I think these women who, who take on these roles, we really do try our best and it's hard to be perfect. And I don't know them personally, so I'm sure there are everybody has, um, has imperfections and challenges, but I found it kind of frustrating to, to read and feel like the bar is just always higher than it really should be for women. Um, and it's kind of reminded me that I also really just do need to enjoy my life because as, as preoccupied as I am with work, um, there could uh, easily be things, I, I'm never going to be doing everything perfectly, something like that could easily happen to me and really kind of turn your life upside down. Um, and I think it, it actually has reminded me to, to not make my job my entire purpose, because um, there's other things that are kind of more permanent than, than just a career. Yeah. And I really do think that all of the challenges that women in business face is a result of this kind of unsustainable pace and culture that we're 
expected to sustain. And I think a lot of that has to do with being so interconnected with all the accessibility that we have to one another and this idea of perpetuating an ideal image that might not necessarily be true or even necessary. So I think with that in mind, you know, even before Jenny Kane, you were in business-oriented roles at other brands and business in general has always been a pillar of your career. So I would love to have you talk about some of those experiences and some of the unexpected lessons you've learned about facilitating culture that is sustainable and slow when it needs to be and inclusive in that way. It's a really important thing to be talking about right now. Um, and I think uh, I've, so I started my career in investment banking um, before moving into fashion. So that was certainly super high paced. Um, it was a really friendly atmosphere at my particular company. So I think I was pretty lucky. Um, but when I moved to New York, uh, which was about seven years ago and, and moved into the fashion industry after doing banking for a couple of years, I worked at places like J crew and Louis Vuitton. And then I also worked at some smaller brands. And I think when I first got into the industry, um, I had friends who would say, Oh, you should go work with this person. They're so nice. Um, and I was pretty judgmental of the idea that nice was a characteristic that was, um, course could correlate with success and was actually like not something that I really valued. And I just wanted to be around smart people who are ambitious and hungry and successful. And, uh, here I am seven years later and I actually really now value, um, kindness. And that's not to say that I always practice it because I certainly don't. It's hard to, to be both, um, competitive in your work and successful, but also, um, kind as much as you can. I just now actually really re appreciate from those experiences, the people who I like really look back on having been inspired and mentored by, and there's not very many of them, but all of them, um, are really kind people who I think understood that not every day has to be a perfect day at work. And, um, and they just put things besides performance, um, ahead of, performance all the time, you know, of course, performance matters. But, um, but I think that that's something that's really kind of shaped my perspective, because I do look back pretty fondly on people who are kind. And, um, and even the people who I was, you know, intimidated by or looked up to in the moment at previous roles, in hindsight, the way that, you know, I, I don't feel the same way now as I did in the moment. Um, it's much more about the people who nurtured relationships or were willing to stay in touch or, um, or just just kind of kind people who didn't who weren't, really um probably levels a little bit manage their stress better but that's really memorable to me the the people who are kind um even in times of kind of difficult um situations at work yeah and then in the context of working in the fashion industry did you see that sort of manifest in a different way and what role did creativity play in informing how businesses were run and how relationships were built and what do you think the synergy between business and creativity is now in what you do with uh, Jenny Kane? Um, at the bigger companies that I worked at, I think it definitely, and this was, you know, probably specific to my role, but at J. Crew, for example, um, I worked in planning, which is a very analytical role um, and not one that was super valued at the company when I was there. It was kind of like a, we were there to do a lot of, um, I'd say heavy lifting analytically, but there wasn't a lot of ownership over decision making. Um, that was just my experience there personally. Um, 
And I think it, in general, bigger companies, it's just something that I've been curious about and interested in. It, they, it seems very hard for them to maintain creativity. And that's not to say product-wise or design-wise. It's more just having every team member feel like they have some level of creativity in their role and um, and ownership over what they're doing. I definitely don't think that I... I felt that way. I did actually feel that way sometimes at J. Crew, but I really felt like it was... Um, an effort that I made to try and own what I was working on and present it in a way that made people feel like they understood um, my my key messages. And, and I tried to be powerful in my position with the way that I communicated. But it was um, sort of, it was kind of all for naught just because it wasn't an environment where that was something that anybody was particularly paying attention to because a lot of it was just kind of trying to maintain business and, and keep growing, but not necessarily with an eye to the future future. Um, and I just think that that seems to be a harder thing for large companies to do, especially in our space. Um, there, as people get... Uh, bigger and bigger, I think the roles tend to um, get smaller and smaller. Um, and some of that's by necessity. And some of it is just because that's what it seems like you need to do. Um, and at Jenny Kane, I think it's really been, uh, I've just been super grateful that we've been able to keep a very lean team um, and have people who I think on the whole feel really um, a sense of ownership and clarity on how they contribute to the business. Um, not everybody's happy all the time. We certainly have stressful moments, but I think on the whole, it does feel, and it's a group of all women, really, uh, mostly running the company. Uh, but I think people just feel inspired by each other and like there's a, a real commitment to to working together and being positive um, about what we're working on. And, and that to me feels like creativity. It's not creativity in the traditional sense. It's more just like having energy and and strategy around everything you do, whether that's if you're building an Excel model, you can, I think you can be creative in that way. It's my favorite way to personally be creative. Um, or you can be designing a new collection or putting together content. So, so I just think it's about feeling passionate about whatever area it is that you're working on. And I do think at Jenny King, we have a team that really, I feel very grateful that it seems like everybody at our corporate team, um, and at the stores really everywhere, but it's the corporate team is who I work the most closely with. And it definitely feels like this very hardworking group of passionate and thoughtful, um, women for the most part. Yeah. And it really comes across. And I think just having followed the brand personally over the last few years, you've really been able to maintain a pace of growth that seems authentic and have just really maintained a consistency in a landscape where it's so easy to try to yield to everyone's expectations, especially through the lens of content and brand storytelling. And, you know, just generally with the introduction of so many new platforms and so many ways to engage with customers and community, it's sort of like the ground is always moving beneath our feet. And so, you know, with Slow Stories, I'm really interested in speaking to all of these changes through the lens of slowing down and content. But when I started to work on my interview questions for you, it was before the world was completely transformed by COVID. And I think now, especially the act of slowing down in all facets of our lives, our digital ones included, is just going to be essential. And so as someone who is in this space professionally, I'm curious to know what the idea of slow content means to you and in the context of what you're building at Jenny Kane. 
Um, yeah, that's that's really something that we think about a lot. I think we were initially years ago just pretty inspired by the concept of slow food, um, mm-hmm. and and have really started to try and think about slow living as something that the brand can really get behind. Um, I think a lot of it starts with Jenny, and and she lives this very. Um, she has a beautiful life and it's really deliberate. I mean, she spends a lot of time with her kids. She spends a lot of time riding courses. She loves to cook. She, she kind of creates beautiful environments for her friends and family. She loves to entertain and spend time with people she cares about. And for whatever reason, that's just come very naturally to Jenny. I think it's just for, it's pretty surprising that one person can seem to prioritize that at all moments of the day. Um, oh, she just doesn't seem to really ever get clouded by, um, by things that don't matter as much. Um, and I think that for us, um, our team has been super inspired by her over the years. Uh, when I started at the company, I was um, very much uh, a business. I thought of myself as a person who only cared about business and a woman who would never be domestic and sort of frowned on that and felt like it was not not that cool. Um, and And over time, just being around Jenny, I really now come to love my home and I love entertaining. I actually like I still can't cook at all but I love having people over and I'll just order food and make it look really pretty and set some, set a nice table. Um, and that, that like that, those moments of slowing down are the things that I remember most over the last few years of working at Jenny Kane. Um, it's not, and, and, and usually I actually do relate that with my time at Jenny Kane because they're always inspired by something we've done at work. Jenny will host a beautiful dinner party and then I'll decide that I want to try and do something similar. Um, or, I mean, my home is the perfect example. I never really, um, cared that much about the way that my home looked. And now I find myself very thoughtful and and patient about making decisions about furniture or decorating my house because I want it to all feel cohesive and calming for our family. Um, so I think, I think each team member has had a different experience being inspired by Jenny. Um, some people love the products that she uses. Some people love the way that she cooks. Um, but it's, it's, everything really starts with this authentic place um, coming from from the way that Jenny lives her life. And I think the piece that we can't always relate to is that Jenny um, does that so naturally and, and it makes it seem very effortless. And for me, it isn't effortless. And I think for most people, it's not effortless, especially to do it in every area of your life, the way that she's got that Martha Stewart quality that she just kind of has this touch. Um and, and most of us don't. And so I think the, the way that our team has been thinking about slow content is trying to make these things, all of our content service oriented and really how to, so that a normal person can do it. You don't have to have um, an array of flowers growing in your yard that are all different lengths and, and colors and hit the right seasons at the right time. And same thing with your garden. Um, it can really just be simple things. And, and I don't want to say hacks because that's really not what Jenny Kane is about, but it is, I think when I started at the company, it was a little bit too unattainable. Um, the, like getting the perf, you don't have to have the perfect dinner party. You just have to have one that you enjoy. Um, and there's little, little elements and tips that we can help, um, make it easier for people so that it feels like something fun and not super intimidating. So I think for us, the slow content is about helping women live well, but doing it attainably and making it accessible for, for anybody who wants to try something new. It translates really well. And I do want to say that after seeing your home tour, it looks beautiful. So you are well on your way to achieving that effortlessness. 
Um, but generally, I think, you know, even before this idea of slow content resurfaced, it seems like Jenny Kane was always setting the bar very high across both social and editorial. And I want to make sure that we talk about that, especially in the context of the brand's publication, Rip and Tan, and why it's become such an integral tool in connecting with the Jenny Kane community. Um, it's a it, so Rip and Tan's a fun thing to talk about um, because it's so, uh, at least from my perspective, unexpected how successful it's been. I'm sure Jenny would not um, feel that way, but but I certainly am, um, or I certainly do feel like we've we're really proud of of where it is, and I, and I um, for a while doubted that we could make it into something um, uh, with scale. Um, but Ribbentan started very authentically again with Jenny. She's a person who everybody wants to know everything she likes. So if you want to redecorate a room in your house, if you want to have a party for your kids, people will just send her emails asking her, what should I do for X, Y, and Z? And Jenny spends a lot of time because she really loves, likes helping people with this kind of stuff, um, sharing tips, sending them resources, telling them where to find X, Y, and Z. Um, and, and so she created Rip and Tan as a place to kind of do roundups that she could just distribute via email to her friends and family, um, to oh. kind of, so that she had a home and an archive for the stuff and didn't have to recreate it every time someone asked her for a different thing. Um, and so that's, so that's really where it started from, which was probably 10 years ago now. Um, so she was definitely ahead of the curve in terms of using a blog to tell stories, um, and inspire people. Um, I think... The thing when I joined the company, which was about six years ago now, um, was that I felt like it was really disconnected from product and from sales. And and at the time when I joined, we were really trying to build a business around the company. And that felt like the first priority over having this really authentic and organic content. Um, and so much of our content at that time on Rip and Tan would send people away from our website. So <laughs> Jenny, Jenny wanted it to be so organic that she would tell you exactly where you could find this thing and then you would immediately click off of Jenny Kane and that would be the end of your experience on our website. Um, which is of course not ideal if you're trying to build an e-commerce business and want people to have long site time and convert. Um, but for her, that, that was really the point of it. And so I think for a while, um, probably a couple of years, there was kind of some struggle back and forth about how much importance do we really place on Rip and Tan when it isn't about selling product. Sometimes it would be, but, but not really the main focus. The main fo focus was certainly the opposite. Um, and it was really just about discovery and inspiration. Um, and so over time, I think our team has just found ways to really make it feel like there's a healthy mix of, um, you know, some of it shoppable. Um, a lot of it isn't. A lot of it is meant to be um, just inspiring. But I think we've found a way to own all of it, at least. And, and I've, I'm so grateful for our team for figuring out how to have a really strong visual language so that all of the images of the stories always feel Jenny Kane, even if they're about women with different types of homes or um, we try to incorporate different aesthetics because we don't, while we don't want Jenny Kane to be everything to everyone, we also want it to appeal to broad enough audience that people can see there's room to be different within the Jenny Kane aesthetic. Um, and so I think that took some time for us to figure out both how to make it feel very consistent um, and like the brand had a clear identity um, and also have it tie back into the product and, and our calendar for the company and, and things that felt like they really make, we could make them make sense, not only online, but also in the retail stores. 
um, and try to have the experiences feel cohesive with what the brand was doing. And that was, that took some time. I feel like we've come a really long way. And now Rip and Tan drives so much organic traffic for us. Our website gets a few million page views a month now versus, you know, 10,000 when I joined the company. So, um, and I think so much of that is because people just know that if they, if they're looking for inspiration, Rip and Tan's a good place to do it. Um, and, and we just hope that they also from time to time want to shop while they're on the website, but it's definitely something that's sticky and, and people come back to us time and time again, they don't have to be looking to shop at all. They can just be looking for a recipe or something and come to the site. And, and we're really grateful to have that from Rip and Tan. Yeah. And, you know, when I first started my storytelling agency, we specialized in building out branded editorial, just because I think having that context, you're able to connect with people who may not have access to stores or just wouldn't have otherwise wanted to immerse themselves or even know how to immerse themselves in the world of their favorite brands. So, you know, all that to say is I think what you do is best in class content. And I'm also wondering, you know, if there's been an unexpected brand story or narrative that's arisen that you now address on Rip and Tan. Um, yeah, I think uh, Rip and Tan was, that's a, that's a, a really good question. And, and the answer to it is that I think um, wellness is a category that Jenny's always been super passionate about. And um, it's something that I've always kind of wanted to tread lightly around. Um, I, you know, we look at companies like Goop who have um, wonderful businesses and, and are inspiring companies, but I, I definitely personally am someone who really goes back to science and wants science to be um, reported when we're talking about things that are um, supposed to be medicinal or anything else. So I think um, I think that wellness angle is something that's been really evolving since we started. Um, and now it's such an important part of the brand. We're launching a beauty brand later this year called Oak Beauty. Um which will be skincare. It's really beautiful plant-based products that are all made from, um, you know, essential oils and, and made in California. Uh, and they just give you glowing kind of California skin. Um, everything's super natural and clean. And we're really excited about having this category launch. And the reason that we feel like we have authority to go into that space is because of all the content that we've done in wellness that has been super well received. And we've just tried to keep the bar really high in the wellness um, content topics and make sure that everything feels like it's, um, you know, uh, we, we're confident that we're reporting things that are um, fact-based and that they're um, reliable and and also because Jenny just has such a great voice in that category, I think we've been um, fortunate to to build that really off of Rip and Tan. And now it's something that we're going to go into for the business. That's so exciting. I can't wait to see everything that comes out of that. And hearing you talk about this new endeavor, I just love that across the board, Jenny Kane as a brand really aligns itself with this conscious approach to everything. And obviously storytelling has played a pivotal role in translating that. And so with that said, and as we look to an uncertain future, both professionally and personally, how do you hope to continue to use storytelling and this conscious messaging as a way to spearhead even more conversations around being mindful now? Yeah, I think that's such an important conversation for us to continue having. Even since COVID started, I think our company has been, um, you know, it's been it's been a hard time at the business because we have six retail stores and have so have effectively lost half of our revenue um, mm -hmm. in the last month. And and the 
focus that we immediately had was, okay, e-commerce we have as a reliable channel. How can we make sure that we're connecting with our audience in a really powerful way, even right now? Um, and so I think we've really stepped it up in the last month in terms of the, the storytelling and the content. And we've actually had so many people come to us and, um, through Instagram and even business colleagues that I have, um, that have connected with me just saying that they're really grateful for the content that we're putting out there right now, which really isn't about selling product, although there's always product mixed into everything we do. Um, but it's just about helping women have different, um, inspiration to, to help them live well while they're, while this time is really stressful. So whether it's a, um, we had a therapist come on and talk about your relationship, um, a week ago on IGTV, um, and, you know, maintaining relationships during this time where we're trying to teach people for Easter, different ways to celebrate with your families. Um, right now that's coming out this weekend. Um, so I think we've, uh, we've just been trying to use even things like this, um, where everybody's stressed out and it's easy to kind of focus, you know, our instinct was do we need to go on sale just to try and push business and keep us alive. But we really wanted to go back to this, the heart of the brand, which is, um, about helping women live well. And, and I think that, it will just continue. We'll continue to iterate in different ways. We have all these different projects that we're planning to work on um, in the home category specifically um, around decorating and and even we're doing another flip um, home in Santa Barbara later this year that we're trying to get a TV show on, on the content for. So I think we're, we're just going to keep looking for new ways to help women live well with our content. But um, but always going back to kind of the, the present moment, what feels the most relevant at the time and, and trying to maintain flexibility so that we can pivot back to what, what feels important right now. Um, but uh, to, to helping our audience actually feel like they're slowing down. For sure. And now that we're navigating this period of slowness, I truly believe that we've been given the opportunity to truly recalibrate and create some headspace to ask questions of ourselves and of others that we might not have had time for prior to this period. And so with that in mind, is there any one question that you hope people start asking you more often in the coming months? Um, I think this might be more of a personal thing than it is Jenny Kane, but I'm sure it's applicable um, because we probably do think this way at the company too. Um, but something that I wish people would talk more about is, is just asking each other what's hard for them. Um, I think that that's uh, become so overlooked with social media and pr- uh, the press coverage. Um, everybody's trying to present such a perfect uh, version of themselves or their businesses and, and what they're doing all day. Um, and I just think it's that's really not reality. I don't think anybody's living in that kind of world. And if they are, I would believe that they're probably partially delusional. I think everything's just there's a lot of challenges that come up for people every day. That doesn't mean that life isn't like a really wonderful, great thing, because I certainly feel that it is. But I just think if we could be more honest about what's hard um, for for each of us, that there would be kind of more vulnerability and more community. Um, and I try to do that with my team and be really honest about things that I'm struggling with. When I'm stressed out, I try to apologize if I um, if I'm having a hard time with something, but, but I do just feel like in general, that would be a question that, um, could make people really understand each other a little bit better. Yeah. And I think that's where slow and thoughtful content can play a role in reshaping the narrative around how we build stories and identities online. And that question alone is grounds for a whole other conversation. But for this interview, I have one last question for you that I like to ask each of my guests, and that is, why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work, and feel better? 
mean, I think the the relationship that we've all developed, myself especially included, to content um, is really just not sustainable and it doesn't uh, feel very healthy. Um, I think, you know, even now we get these alerts on our phones telling us how much screen time we've had and if we're up or down from the week prior. Um, and I, I guess I just, that that seems really sad and it doesn't mean that I've been able to make any changes around it. Um, I just, I, I know that I feel the best when I actually feel sort of disconnected from what's happening on the internet. Um, and that doesn't mean that I don't want to know what's going on with the news or anything that's really relevant, but, but being addicted to content that's, you know, clickbaity or quick reads. Um, I just don't think it, it, it doesn't really stay with you and it doesn't really change the way that you're, you frame the way you think about things. Um, it, it's very uh, ephemeral. And I think um, if we can focus on even trying to read longer articles is something that I've been doing or spending time um, reading something with someone else and then talking about, you know, how, how you, uh, even if it's a content article about a recipe, um, sharing it with someone or actually thinking about the ingredients, just spending a little bit more time processing what you're doing rather than doing it all in such a rush. I mean, I'm really the number one culprit for this, so it's an easy question for me to answer and a very difficult to change, but, but I think that that's the, it really just feels better. Um, it feels more restful and better on your brain and you can make things feel a little bit more meditative, I think, if you do them that way. That was my conversation with Julia Hunter of Jenny Kane. Follow Jenny Kane on social at Jenny Kane and visit their website along with their blog, Rip and Tan, by heading to JennyKane.com. Let us know what you thought of this episode by chatting with us on social at Slow Stories Official on Instagram and at Slow Stories Pod on Twitter. I'm Rachel Schwartzman and thank you for listening to Slow Stories. We'll be back with our next episode soon.